Welcome back to another episode of Sweet Script Stories. I'm Eric Grubaugh. And I'm Tim Dietrich. And today we are going to talk about productivity in general as a developer uh, and lack thereof, perhaps. <laughs> so, Tim, you had brought this up and you have sort of an outline ready to go. So where should we start? I thought we'd start with why and how this episode came to be. Um, I think it's something that we've talked about before, you know, you and I sort of offline, uh, right. but I've been going through this, uh, like for the past several weeks, this sort of period of extreme productivity, at least trying to be extremely productive um, as I try to crank through my backlog of projects and work and so on. Um, and so that's been an interesting experience. But I think more recently, you and I had a Slack chat and it just sort of rolled into, we really should do a, an episode on productivity. And so that's how we got here. Um, Define then, extreme productivity. Well, like I say, it sounds got, dangerous. I, it is, it's potentially dangerous, especially on my physical and mental health. <laughs> Um, I, I'm like I said, I've been trying to work through a huge backlog of projects and tasks. And, you know, I made my goal uh, for the month of February, whether it's realistic or not, uh, to try and just clear that backlog. And um, I, I think I'm on track to do it. You know, there's always things that come up and you know, bumps in the road, so to speak, but mm -hmm. I really have been cranking through uh, a lot of those things, you know, writing a lot of code, uh, tying up loose ends on projects, um, saying no. <laughs> I mean, I could go on and on. Um, but it was a comment that you made to me a couple of days ago where you had a new productivity rule and that sort of set this in motion uh, as far as, okay, we're really going to do an episode on productivity. So I'll put it back in your court. Do you remember what that new productivity rule was? Yeah, it's funny that you, so when I came up with it, it's not something I came up with by any means. I didn't think of it as productivity, but basically I have found myself um, checking email, checking LinkedIn, checking... Uh, it was Twitter. I have since very much deactivated Twitter, <laughs> but just checking in, basically checking in on all the, the content channels or the, the channels where I publish content. I just started, uh, uh, checking them too much and getting distracted when I needed to be creating or doing something, you know, useful. <laughs> and so now, uh, and this is a pretty new rule, but now. Uh, I'm also trying to get in better shape. So, you know, just normal dad, healthy shape. So I, every time I want to check email or social media or any of that, I have to do a certain amount of reps of some sort of exercise, uh, beforehand. And once in a while it doesn't really work out, so I bank them up and, and still do them. But basically I am charging myself a small fee to check email and, and other 
what I would call distractions. So it's like a distraction tax that you you're imposing on yourself. Yeah, I, I don't look at it as a penalty, right? Because it's just I am still doing something that is working towards another goal that I happen to have. It's not like I'm saying stopping myself from checking email and and like no, you need to write instead or something. I'm not punishing myself. I'm still going to check my email. Uh, I just have to be very intentional about it. Um, so, and it has definitely worked. I have been checking that stuff a lot more or sorry, no, a lot less. Uh, so that, uh, I don't know. It's working. It's interesting. It's not something I have like thought about or done before, but it's something I've seen. I don't, I can't remember a specific inspiration for this, but it is something I've seen in other systems or circles of sort of just, it's just making you be very intentional about what you're doing. Otherwise things like email or especially stuff on your phone, it's so easy to just like idly get lost. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, you know, I think we go through periods of, I know I do where, you know, I'll, I'll get suddenly interested in something. I'll, like you said, I'll be checking LinkedIn or I'll check, you know, Reddit or whatever. And so, and I know there are apps that do what I'm about to describe, but one of the ways I stop myself from going to sites and, and checking in on those types of things is I actually hack my, uh, my hosts file on my Mac. So <laughs> I redirect uh, some of those domains and subdomains um, to my own computer. So they just don't go anywhere, essentially. I can mm-hmm. sit there and try to go to Reddit all day long. It's not going to do it. Um, so if I want to go to one of those sites, I have to go back in and adjust the host file. And it's not that that's a terribly difficult thing to do by any means, but it does at least make me pause for a minute and think, you know, should I, is this really the best use of my time right now? You know, um, mm-hmm. so that's one of the ways I stop myself from going and doing those types of, uh, at least visiting those sites that can be a distraction. You know, right. Like I said, it's, it's not, I could easily just change the host file and go to the site. But when I realize that, oh, that's right, I have to go and do that, it does make me stop for a minute and think, should I? Sometimes I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I adjust the host file and I go to the site anyway. Mm-hmm. And then I remember to put it back in place so that I'm blocked again. And I know that right. there are apps that do that, like I said, but, um, you know, sort of a, my geeky way of, of preventing myself from going there. And there are some sites that I just won't look at when I'm on my, my MacBook. You know, I can only really see them on my phone. So sure. that's my way of dealing with those, that type of distraction. Yeah. And now that I'm thinking about it, basically what we're, what we're doing is, is introducing friction into mm-hmm the process and and inserting it in front of bad habits or you know what we perceive as bad habits and that's definitely something that James Clear talks about in Atomic Habits which I'm probably going to mention 75 times in this <laughs> this conversation <laughs> but yeah. like the things we do that have friction the more friction something has like good or bad independent of the the habit or whatever the thing is, the more friction it has, the less likely we are to do it. 
And so you can sort of hack that if, if you'd like to, for, for anything you view as a bad habit or you want to stop doing or alter the way you're doing it, introducing some friction in the process is a great way to do it. And the opposite of that is the things you want to emphasize, the things you want to do, you remove the friction. That's why it's super easy to get distracted by your phone because it's so easy to, it's in your pocket all the time. So you pick it up, you unlock it, and you log in or, or you know, you just it's just right there. It's so easy. And that's why it's so easy to distract you. Yeah, phones are I'm a, I guess I'm kind of a weird duck when it comes to the phones and we can talk about that. But um, I, I, I know that there are a lot of people where that is an issue, you know, mm-hmm. just for whatever reason, you know, they're all, like you said, they always have it near them. You know, it's just, it's easy for me. I, my phone is not always near me. I have to usually look around the room to try to figure out where it is. Um, and it's always on do not disturb, like, uh, because I used to find that nowadays it's not nearly as bad as it used to be, but that like phone calls coming in were the most distracting thing for me. So mm-hmm. it got to the point where I put my phone on do not disturb. I set it up so that there are two people in the world that can get through that. Um, my wife and my son, unless I'm expecting a call, you know, if you and I had a call scheduled at two 30, then I, you know, I'll turn off, do not disturb and sure. let you disturb me, <laughs> you know, cause I know it's coming in, but then it goes right back on do not disturb. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, and I also, I, I've heard it referred to as like, a, you know, making your smartphone dumb. There's not really not much in, in the way of distraction, like apps that are on my phone. I just don't have, I don't, you know, I don't really have any games on it. I have basically have, I can check my email, check my calendar, check the weather and surf around, but you know, that's really it. So it's just funny how that is like a major point of distraction for a lot of people. And I somehow managed to dodge that bullet or I have been. Yeah. I'm I'm also I'm not quite as uh dis- disconnected from my phone as you are, but I'm much more disconnected than probably most people of most people probably, but certainly most people of like my generation. I don't yeah. the only notification, the only noise my phone ever makes is when someone calls, which I have my you know my personal number and my business number go to the same phone, but they are different numbers. And so I can very clearly see which, uh, you know, which channel is this coming through. And then, uh, texts, those are, so those are the only two things where my phone makes a noise, uh, and you contrast that with my wife's phone, which makes a noise every 30 seconds because some, other app she has uh is you know is pinging the phone yeah i i use my phone as uh for email for phone and for text i and and emails do not uh are not allowed to show notifications so i have to again intentionally go into the email app and check um 
let's see. So I, that just removing the notifications is, has been a huge part of it. Uh, like I, I've gone so far as to uninstall all of the, the browsers, like all of the browser applications. I have removed them from my phone completely. Hmm. Yeah, you've gone one step further than I have. I don't even know if you can remove Safari from an iPhone, but yeah, probably not. I just, I don't, I've never used it too much. You know, I don't just casually browse the internet on my phone. Usually the problem is when I'm sitting at my desk, I definitely do that, <laughs> Yeah, but my phone, so it wasn't a huge leap for me to do that. It would probably be a huge leap for, you know, many people, but for me, it, honestly boils down to the notifications and just eliminating as many of those attention grabbing things, attention stealing things, I should say that you can. Yeah. And that Slack chat that I mentioned, I, I referred to them as distraction vectors or attention attack vectors. And then you referred to them as focus vulnerabilities. And I thought that that was mm -hmm. interesting because the way I was looking at, uh, you know, those basically holes in my, uh, you know, my shield, uh, right. it puts the blame on other people, on the people that are distracting me. And what yeah. you made me realize when you called it a vulnerability was that it's actually, it's a problem on my end. Like if I don't want to be distracted, I need to do things to prevent those distractions from getting through. <laughs> so rather than putting yeah. the blame on other people, I'll just put the blame right back on myself. You were, you were sitting behind your shield, yelling at the people poking through the holes instead of <laughs> fixing the damn holes. Yeah. And I don't have very many of them, honestly, it wasn't even really like that. Um, you know, well, we'll talk about vulnerabilities in a minute, but yeah. Um, but I did think it was interesting. Like those were funny terms to use for, you know, basically, uh, again, the vulnerabilities that we have in terms of focus mm -hmm. or, or lack thereof. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about our productivity systems, if we can call them that. What does your overall system sort of look like and when i say system i'm talking about you know everything from your process apps you use or you know maybe things that aren't digital i know that you're you're somebody who writes things down I, i've mentioned this on other calls i don't even have like if you asked me to write something down right now i'd have to tell you to hold on because i have to go find a pen <laughs> you know because i don't write anything down it's all on my computer um so anyway what does your system look like Oh boy. Or is that too broad um, of a question? No, it's it might be, I don't know how interesting it will be, but uh, let's see. Mine is, I do have a system. I don't know how replicatable it is, uh, but it is largely based on getting things done. That's a book, another productivity system. I can't remember when that was written but uh, so getting things done sort of formed the foundation of it initially and then since then certainly in the last I read uh, Atomic Habits <laughs> in October and so since then that has reshaped a lot of what I do so 
there are some some common themes to it, and I'll, I'll get into more specifics if if we want to. But the biggest thing is to get everything out of my head. Uh, the less I have to remember, the better. So, yeah, I always have a physical pen and paper notebook uh, very nearby, very close by. And I, you know, if I'm on a call and I'm taking notes or whatever it might be, I have a s specific symbol for, uh, hey, you need to put this, you know, here's a task, here's a to-do. I have a specific symbol that I will draw next to whatever the thing is. Uh, so then when I'm looking back through my notes, when I get back to my desk or, or whatever I'm doing, uh, I flip back through the notes, I find the symbol, and I, you know, transcribe the thing into... Asana. So Asana is what I use for tracking my tasks. I have two projects in Asana. One is one is uh, everything I have to do personally, and the other one is everything I have to do business. So I don't segment them very much. I segment them in other ways, but uh, I just use two high-level projects and then right tasks in there wherever possible i put dates on them and that will make it automatically show me uh, whenever something is due and hmm what else so and then i have routines so based on atomic habits i have set up sort of the envisioned basically the, the idea with atomic habits is that you instead of focusing on like goals uh you know specific end points you sort of just focus on the type of person you want to be it's a little more esoteric and everything basically everything you do the way he words it is everything you do casts a vote for the type of person you want to be so the more times you work out, the more votes you are casting for being a fit, healthy person, for instance. And so I don't set goals or anything like that. I have these ideas written down of sort of the type of person I want to be, and then I put tasks, basically the habits, the tasks, the things to do under those different categories. And Asana is always open on my desktop, on one of my virtual desktops. And I've been rambling for a while, so <laughs> that's definitely not all of it, but uh, I'm happy to take questions now. Well, it's, inter it's an interesting approach. And, um, you know, I have not... Um, read Atomic Habits, but I love that idea of, I think you referred to it as sort of casting votes towards like the person that you want to be. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good way of, of not only looking at it, but it sounds like achieving it. So that's pretty cool. Um, I, yeah, I guess my system, you know, I've mentioned it in previous episodes that, you know, I consider myself to be a minimalist and have for a long time, or at least it's something I'm striving to be. Um, I don't know that I ever will really be, but we'll see. 
so I think my productivity system tends to lean that way, you know, towards um, minimalism and simplicity. There's is just really not much to it. Um, obviously, you know, my calendar is key to it. I just use Apple's calendar. I've been tempted, you know, by alternate calendars that let you do all kind of interesting things. And, uh, you know, I just need a basic calendar that I can hit from, you know, my, my MacBook and from my phone. Um, and so that serves me pretty well. The only things that really go on there, you know, I, I, if I actually have something that's scheduled for a specific time, it goes on the calendar as an event. If it's something that I yeah. am going to be doing on a certain day, but it isn't necessarily tied to a specific time, then I put put it on the calendar in that in that way. It's essentially, you know, just it's almost like a to do in a way. Um, I, as far as how I keep things organized, I basically have a folder of open projects, and within that folder are subfolders for every project that I am uh, planning to work on or that I need to work on. And that is a mix of both business and personal projects. I used to try to split them up and then I realized that life really for me just isn't like that. You know, I, it used to be easy to say, okay, I'm gonna work on this business project, you know, a client project, whatever it happens to be during quote unquote business hours and work on personal projects after hours or on the weekends. And my life just isn't that way. You know, I, mean, I might be working on like a side project during the day and a business slash client project at night or, um, you know, so why break it up? It, it doesn't really matter. Um, and then for every project, I essentially have a, a project brief. It's really just a text document where I just kind of talk about what the project is why I'm doing it, you know, if it's a client project, what are the, what are the deliverables, you know, what's still open on the project, uh, notes, things like that. You know, and I am pretty much like the one app for me that's almost always open is BB Edit. It's just a text editor on the Mac. And so it's easy for me to just, you know, pop open that, that document when I'm working on a project and there it is. Um, I have talked before about uh, FreshBooks, which is the bookkeeping system that I use, which I mean, you could argue it's not really part of my productivity system, but I think it really is because I use it to keep track of my time, um, keep track of proposals, expenses, invoices. It does keep me organized more so than I've ever been before with regards to stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it lets me uh, basically just easily deal with those parts of my business that I, you know, in the past, I just kind of looked at like, it's just necessary evils, <laughs> you know, things you have to do to, to uh, run a business. Um, but that application just makes it really easy for me. So I do consider it to be part of my system. Okay. Uh, and then a little bit about my process basically at the beginning of every day, I look at the calendar and see what I've got going on. You know, obviously I need to know what, um, what events are scheduled, you know, calls, meetings and things like that. So I can make sure that I'm prepared for them. And then for those projects and things that I'm planning on working on during that day, I just take the, the folder from that open projects folder that I mentioned and I put them on my desktop. 
so that's it. Like when I see on the desktop, obviously I'm talking about on my Mac. And so those folders that are sitting on my desktop tend to be, you know, that's it. They're only the things I'm working on at that point. Um, so there's no distractions in terms of that, you know, where I start sniffing around in my project folder and try to find something else to work on so that I can avoid working on the things that I should be working on. Um, and that's, uh, that's been a, you know, process that's worked pretty well for me. So, um, so there's that. And then, you know, I've got just a bunch of recurring tasks on my calendar, things that I know I need to do like at the beginning of every month at the beginning mm -hmm. of every week, you know, bookkeeping related stuff and, you know, taxes and stuff like that. So it's a really simple system that works well for me. You know, being solo, I can get away with a system like that. There's really no one else that needs to know what my schedule looks like. You know, it's not like a coworkers who need to schedule a meeting with me. Um, right. So, or that I need to share those folders with, you know, those project folders with. So, um, so being a solo, or whatever, uh, you know, again, I can get away with that. I don't know that somebody running a business that has employees could have such a simple system, but who knows? I'll never know. <laughs> right. I, I, yeah. That's definitely something we should circle back to, to talking about is like, especially for employees, a lot of times your calendar is not fully under your control. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely something we should come back to. Um, there's a, bunch of stuff I can I can sort of tack on with with how I do things um, so I do also use a calendar I use Google Calendar and yeah if there's basically if if it's if something is just me uh, if I'm the only one responsible the only one involved it goes into Asana if there's other people involved or other people that need to know about it say you know something uh, family related, like with my wife, my wife needs to know when my dentist appointments are or something like that. Uh, I'll use a calendar for that then. And yeah, I am um, get up at five every day. I come in, I check my Asana and my calendar. I, I never shut down my computer. I put it to sleep at night. And so when I come in in the morning, I just tap one key and everything is right back where it was. Um, then I spend the next, uh, two to three hours writing usually, or, you know, in, if I was writing code, if I was a developer, I would probably spend that time writing code, basically tackling the most important things, the most, the highest priority things that day, because it's very unlikely someone will interrupt me that early. So I get the important things done first. That is also not coincidentally how I organize, say, software projects. The hardest stuff is done first, not last. Um, I keep a friction list in Asana. So whenever I'm doing something, uh, say I'm working on a project or, I don't know, running a business, uh, and the something about what I'm doing and I've written an article about this so we can have a link to that in the show notes but whenever something about the way I'm doing something the process the systems I'm using whatever it might be 
I just have this gigantic generic friction list bucket and that in Asana and that I just go into Asana and I write it down. Um, and then I, I move on. And when I do find myself with some downtime or I'm not quite sure what, you know, what to work on, or I have a little bit of free time that's not sufficient for whatever I need, need to be doing. I'll just jump into that friction list, grab something off of it that seems doable and, and try to work on it, um, and, and remove that. So let's see, I block out. So a lot of my day is blocked out currently by a toddler. This won't always be the case, but actually I do plan on keeping a lot of these blocks in place. So my son is usually up between like seven and eight. So right. And he goes down for a nap around 1130. So from basically from 730 to 1130, I don't take calls. I don't do any work. I'm being a dad. And then during his nap, uh, my calendar opens up. <laughs> and so I have basically 730 to 1130 is blocked off on my calendar. And then also so is, you know, two o'clock till the rest of the day, essentially. The only time I have for calls is between noon and two every weekday. And I don't plan on changing that. I think that's really crucial to having that only very specific times available for external interruptions, distractions. Distractions is too strong. They are, those calls are necessary, <laughs> but, uh, interruptions for sure. Mm -hmm. So it splits my day into, you know, a morning and an afternoon very clearly. And I think I would keep that. I think if I was running a team, I would do everything in my power to structure, to allow them to structure their days that way as well. And let's see. Oh, and so lead times as well. I do not allow uh, anyone to book a call with me like the same day. So I think, I think I use Calendly. Calendly is a system to, it integrates with Google Calendar and it lets you publish your availability, lets people book time with you. And none of my time slots can be booked uh, less than 48 hours in advance. So no one is surprising me with with a call. Yeah. So you hit on a lot of good things there. Um, yeah, I had to talk for a while, huh? <laughs> well, the, you mentioned getting up early, you know, five o'clock and mm -hmm. you and I have talked about that before offline as well. And I, sure. I mentioned to you that um, I, I think I have found my sort of sweet spot in terms of what time getting up works best for me. And it's, uh, you know, obscenely early. It's like anywhere from 4 really a.m. to 4.30. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's, it's very early. But um, but for whatever reason, it's it does. And I think for a lot of the reasons that you said, actually, it's a good time for me to do it. Number one, there's, it's, there's no way I'm going to get distracted that early in the morning by right by yep. external forces rather. Um, and if I can get up that early and get myself into the zone, and we can talk about that in a minute too, I guess, sure. um, then man, what a huge block of, of productive time that can be. And, mm -hmm. uh, 
but finding that time that, that you know and realizing that if i get up that early um, i can be uber productive you know it was painful <laughs> um you know i think i did what most people do you know okay i'm gonna get up at six o'clock get up a quarter to six i'll just keep cranking it back until i find something that that works yeah and for me i found that getting up at, at that early that very early hour is actually easier than getting up at say six o'clock and trying to get something done sure um, so so for me i go to i'm in bed at 9 30 so i'm not like getting up at five after going to bed at one although i certainly used to do that <laughs> yeah. when i was younger and did not have a kid what time are you going to sleep if you're getting up at four it depends. I mean, sometimes it's as early as what you said. Sometimes it's 10 o'clock, you know, it just, at 10 o'clock is good. I mean, I only need about anywhere from five to six hours of sleep. And I, of course, you know, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure my body would disagree with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, you can't, you can't burn the candle at both ends as the saying goes, but, um, you know, but like you, I used to do that too, you know, go to bed at midnight, wake up at five or earlier, you know, go to bed later and wake up even earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it does get harder, you know, as, as you get older and you can, you know, kids deal with stuff like that. But um, I think that finding a peak time for your, yourself is kind of critical. And I know there's a lot of research that have, you know, been done about that. Um, and it's tricky, but I think it's definitely worth finding it if you, and, you know, if you can, sometimes that's outside of your control as well i mean you know you, if you work for somebody else maybe you need to be you know up and at them at like a certain time or whatever but uh yeah and i mean and maybe this is a good time to talk about it then but i i don't know that i have good advice for someone that where their calendar isn't under their control yeah i mean the advice <laughs> my advice would be to the leaders more like don't let your whole, you know, don't let the whole calendar be open and available to calls or meetings or any of that stuff. Uh, I think there's probably a lot about this in, uh, like, what's it called? It doesn't have to be crazy at work, uh, the base camp guys, and probably in some of their other books too. But, and I think I've seen, I, I mentioned, I've seen an article about this recently too, this sort of, uh, propose some different ways to structure your day based on what sort of role or what sort of job you do. So I'll link to that. But the idea is definitely that if, if the whole calendar is available, there's no way you can get into deep work and focused work in any sort of, at any sort of consistency, which is crucial to software development. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, you mentioned deep work and we've, you know, there's a book by Cal Newport called Deep Work that I, I think I've brought it up before. I mean, mm -hmm. you haven't, you haven't read it yet, but, you know, it talks about that. Essentially, he defines deep work or, I, or I'm going to put my, my definition on it. It's that, that feeling that, you know, you're in the zone, you're, intensely focused on solving some problem or getting something done and 
you know, you tend to lose track of time. Right. And you, you just literally are locked in on solving that problem or getting that thing done. Flow and, state. You know, hopefully we've all been there and <laughs> at least once in your life, if not like regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's an interesting, it's like a blissful feeling, you know, and, and for me, it's the, like the, I'll call it the ultimate productive experience. You know, it's like, there's no distractions. You're focused. You're just kicking butt on that project. And then when it's over, it's like, ah, oh. <laughs> you know, you wish it could continue. And anyway, that's what his book is really about. Like why right. deep work is important and why it's so challenging. And, you know, he talks about different ways of getting into that. Like so you can regularly get into the zone, so to speak. Um, and we'll link to that book for sure. Um, but yeah, I think with the kind of work that we do, you know, being able to do deep work is absolutely critical. Otherwise, it's just you're just chipping away at a bigger problem without really being able to take big chunks off of that project or that problem. So it's, I, I think it's absolutely critical. Right. So I, I haven't read it, but what are the what are some of the things he mentions that are like the reasons we aren't in that state more? A while since I read the book, but I, it's all, I, if I remember correctly, it's pretty much all the usual suspects, you know, just the fact that like, you know, you said being distracted by your phone and it being so easy to do that. Um, really, I think a lot of it is around technology and how like, the things that we thought would make us more productive, you know, on one hand, they have made us more productive. And on the other, they've just introduced potential, uh, you know, other forms of distraction. And so I think I mentioned the other day that he's working on a new book. It's something about email, like life without email or something like that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously he has a strong feeling about that as well. And and I do too. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I don't think it's any one thing. And I think it's all the things that we all know are, you know, sources of distraction for us. And I think it's about finding uh, techniques, you know, for like eliminating those distractions, which is really what I think this episode is about, you know, um, it's part of this episode anyway. It's like, how do we stop those distractions? And, uh, you know, that and being more productive as a result because you can have the best productivity system in place but if you're just getting bombarded with distractions all day long you know that that great productivity system that you've come up with is not going to serve you very well nor will an open floor plan (laughs) right (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah that would be that's sort of my assumption about that book too it would be or about that topic, at least, is the distractions, right? Anything that can grab your attention, anything that can make you an, make a noise, anything that can show you a big red bubble, uh, any of that stuff, a pop-up of any sort, mm-hmm. all of that is going to drag you out of any sort of focus. Um which sort of brings me to something else I wanted to talk about is, is like, I think being the, the lack of discipline in uh, a 
our communication channels. Because of the technology you mentioned, we have so many communication channels. We are so we are so connected. We are so available. So there's all kinds of communication channels to us. We have Slack, we have email, we have phones, you know, calls, texts, whatever, probably a bunch that I'm missing. Someone can walk over to your desk. Um, and so any of those, or not being disciplined with what channels are appropriate for what types of messages really contributes us to this as well, because any channel, we're talking if we're talking about work, it doesn't matter actually, work or personal, any channel that an emergency can come in over, you by definition have to monitor it all the time. So if an email or yeah, if an email could contain an emergency, if a Slack message could contain an emergency, and by emergency I, I really mean something urgent, something that actually does need uh, immediate attention doesn't have to be something drastic or <laughs> terrible, but anything that does actually require immediate attention, which is very few of the messages we receive on any of these channels. But nonetheless, we do receive them sometimes, and any channel they could come in on, we have to monitor. So if that's email, you have to keep your email open all the time. If that's Slack, you have to keep Slack with notifications on all the time. Same with your phone. If you're not disciplined, if there's not one canonical path for urgent action, then you will never get out of this. Like you will never get away from the, the distractions. Even if, you know, 0.01% of your, of the messages that come in on those channels are actually urgent. Yeah. So that's like everything that you said is interesting to me there. I, the, and I think this is an issue that I have, which is that I tend to think of the medium by which a distraction comes in or a message comes comes in as somehow inferring the um, urgency of it. So what I guess what I mean there is if you just email me, I'm assuming it's probably not important unless you flip the, you know, Hey, urgent flag on, you know, on the message. Um, if you send me a text, I'm going to think it's more urgent. Mm -hmm. And if you call me, even though you're, I'm never even going to see the message unless I actually, you know, check messages, which I do maybe once a day, that to me, it's like, Hey, the world's coming to an end. I need your attention right now. Um, and when I see like uh, messages come in on every one of those channels from the same person, I know something's wrong. Um, and I say that, but I know that there are people who don't look at the world that way. And so they'll just immediately think that they'll just, they're going to text you all the time, regardless mm -hmm. of the urgency of the message. I've actually had clients send me requirements as text messages before, like re requirements for reports and stuff like that. <laughs> so, and not that that was an urgent requirement. It was just, hey, you know. Um, so I don't really know exactly where I'm going with all this other than that I think that there is a problem, at least for me, with regards to how the medium, uh, you know, implies urgency. And I don't think people think about that enough. They just like, if it's easy for them to text you, that's what they're going to do. Um, 
and so again i you know going back to the earlier part of the conversation where like if you could put the shield up you know i, I that's what i do with my phone um but it leads me to something i wanted to talk about too which is that i think one of the challenges that we have especially with the kind of work that we do is setting expectations you know whether it's with clients or friends or colleagues whatever but I think that is a good, that's got to be a part of your um, your productivity system and your uh, you know your your plan for defending your um, your attention, mm-hmm. which which is just letting people know, you know, this is the best way to get me. This is usually when I'm available. These are times where I'm never going to be available, you know. And the fact that like I'll tell people. I'm never going to answer my phone. You can call me all day long. I'm not going to answer my phone unless we have a call scheduled. And some people are just shocked by that. Um, but by telling them that, hey, like that's not my thing. If that's your thing, we're not going to work well together. Yeah. <laughs> At least I've set that expectation early. But anyway, I'll, I'll I'll be quiet now. Like, what do you what do how do you deal with that? And do you run into the same issues that I just described? Uh, I'm really glad you brought it around to that because I was not about to let you get away with blaming your client for texting your requirements. <laughs> if you yeah. never clearly stated that that is not an acceptable means of communication or if even if uh, you, so I'm getting around to agreeing with you. I was not going to let you get away with that. I completely agree that you need to be explicit about what sorts of communication is appropriate on which channels. And that's where I was going earlier with the sort of lack of discipline around communication channels. If you are leading a team, then you need to be educating people on, first of all, you need to be intentional about what you use certain communication channels for. Uh, and you know, where do urgent issues get communicated? Where do, where and how do sort of more thoughtful issues need to be tackled? Which I think the base camp guys talk about a lot in, it doesn't have to be crazy at work is that because we are so connected and everything, everything feels urgent, we don't there's not a lot of room for thoughtful responses. Uh, We, we try to, we get the, you know, we get the Slack notification. We see the red bubble, we click in, we read the message, we respond quickly and we move on just to, you know, basically to clear the notification, to check the box. And that's not appropriate for a lot of questions, especially in software development. So, we need that discipline, that structure, that defense of our focus and attention. Uh, because without it, if if anything at any time can grab our attention, we will never do deep focused work. So you've mentioned Slack several times, and it's something that uh, yeah, I say Slack. Become... Any instant messaging platform, they all work the same, right? right? <laughs> Yeah, they all do. Slack seems to be just everywhere now. Like, right. uh, I, I, and it's, I told you this yesterday, it's kind of a funny story, but for the longest time, I 
only accessed Slack through the browser. And yesterday I felt like I'd hit sort of a tipping point and I finally installed the native app on my Mac. So as part of the process of logging into that, it gave me a list of all the Slack teams that I was on. And it was like 13 of them. <laughs> and then granted, like some of them are older, you know, mm -hmm. I haven't logged into them in forever, but I was like, oh my God, you know, I didn't realize just how many of those there were. And there's probably a half dozen of them that are active that I am like logging into, you know, on a regular basis, maybe out of that, maybe four of them are just like I'm in every day, multiple mm -hmm. times a day. I installed that yesterday. And by the time I went to bed last night, I had uninstalled it because I, I realized just how insane that whole thing was. Mm -hmm. um, when I first started using Slack, I thought like a lot of people that it was going to reduce, uh, you know, communications on other mediums like email text and so on. And what I have found is that, and it's just over time, it didn't take very long to reach this point, but it really just became yet another channel. It really didn't cut down on the email and the text. Right. There's, I, I, when I'll go back to me saying that I think certain mediums imply urgency. And for me, um, Slack is one of those. If it's a Slack for say a client, you know, then I'm like, oh God, like I missed that. I haven't like somehow I haven't responded to it in like 10 minutes. <laughs> and uh, so it's, it is a challenge for me with that. That's one of my, um, one of the things I'm trying to deal with right now is figuring out how to set expectations when it comes to Slack. I'm beginning to rethink um, being on client specific Slack teams. You know, it's just, it's too much. Um, so anyway, I feel like I, again, I'm rambling once, once more, but I'm wondering, you know, are you, have you run into that as well? And if so, how have you dealt with it? Yeah, I, I am in Slack all the time. I, it's open all day. I am in a, have been in and am right now in a client's Slack. Uh, I communicate with multiple clients through Slack, but I communicate uh, that you, the different ways of, of, um, communicating with me on Slack. So Slack does not show me any notifications except, uh, ever, except when I am on a direct message or on a, if I am tagged. And that is only true for places where client work exists. So I'm in say the NetSuite professional Slack, that entire server never shows me a notification. Uh, if I, if I actually go, so in my, you know, window, I use windows in my taskbar, there's the Slack icon. There is never a red bubble on that icon from the NetSuite professional Slack because I don't have clients in there. I don't, there's no emergency that's going to come in on that channel. So I do not need it to grab my attention. Uh, if I go look at Slack and I see like the little white bubble over the, the, um, the server icon, that's fine. I can go check whenever, but I know there's no emergency coming in from that server. So I don't need to, I don't need it to tell me there's something to look at. 
Um, so I'm very uh, structured and intentional about when notifications can be shown and what channels emergencies can come in on. So for clients, like if they need to communicate an emergency to me via Slack, uh, first of all, email is never an appropriate channel for an emergency ever for me. And I don't think it should be for anyone, but so I, I let my clients know that, uh, and I give them other means of communicating emergencies. So if that is through Slack, then I say, you, you have to tag me if it's in a, you know, a channel with other people or send me a direct message and that will, that will show me a notification and I will know something very important is happening. But otherwise Slack is not allowed to show me notifications at all. No pop-ups, no red bubbles, unless something is actually urgent. And again, I am explicit and intentional about that upfront in the relationship. So I try to always communicate, um, you know, whenever I start a new relationship with a client, I talk about, here's how we communicate. Here are the, the channels, etc. This channel is appropriate for this type of message. That sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's exactly what I was saying about setting expectations and mm -hmm. something that, um, you know, you've got to do early, you know, regardless of the nature of the relationship, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Going back to that, you know, the client sent me requirements via text message. Uh, that was a long time ago and I, it was just shocking to me. It was, I didn't think I needed to say to someone, you know, please don't send me, you know, a requirements document as a text message. <laughs> yeah. So uh, who knew? Uh, but now I do know. So it's yeah, it's just you know, whatever. I know my response would be something like, that looks great. Write it up in, you know, whatever system we're using, <laughs> write it up and send it to me from there. That's exactly what I did. I said that, you know, whatever, just email it to me and I'll look at it. And it, that was the other yeah. thing. It was like on a Friday evening. I remember exactly, you know, the circumstances because, you know, I saw a text message come in. I thought, oh, you know, uh-oh. And now it was just, you know, you know, reports requirement. And <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm still, I can't stop thinking about like the person who's sort of not in control of this stuff, right? The employee. Mm -hmm. And... I keep trying to come up with good advice <laughs> if like it is completely on, it should be the organization's job, your leader's job to defend your time. Right. That is that their job is to insulate you so that you can do the work they're asking you to do. And so if they're not doing that, I, I don't know what advice to give <laughs> other than, yeah should be a conversation you're having, you know, with your boss, with your leader about, Hey, I'm not able to do my best work because, you know, my calendar is constantly being interrupted or at any point I can be pulled into a meeting or like, I just can't, if you can't focus, uh, a good leader will be willing to have that conversation. <laughs> Bad leader won't. And that's, that's even, a, maybe a different problem for a different podcast. Episode. Yeah, I was going to say, even worse, it could be that that's one of the people that's actually just eating up all oh, their it's time. Also that. Yeah. There's a, it's also that. They could <laughs> yeah. be the problem. It could be the source right. of one of the problems. Yeah. 
So I'm, yeah, I mean, we work for ourselves, right? That confers a significant amount of freedom and control that employees don't have. Yeah, but um, it's also, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And I think that's a huge part of working for yourself is, I, I hate to even use the phrase managing your time because I'm not convinced that time can be managed, but you know what I mean when I say, when I say that, like it's all, it's all on you, right? To, yeah, prioritizing to find, your time. Right. You know, find what works best for you, find what's going to help you get work done and be, you know, as productive as possible. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm just Maybe. struggling to come up with like good poignant advice for the employee, but it's, it's, it's so hard when it's not in your control, but it's definitely something that a, a good leader, a good organization should be receptive to hearing and adjusting uh, and like, figuring out better solutions um, because the wide open calendar and the wide open communication channels is not, it's not a good way to live or work for anybody, especially in a, a profession like software development. Yeah. I, right. I mean, I think that the nature of the work that we do and, you know, this could open a whole other can of worms. We probably shouldn't go down don't talk too We're much about this but... right around the hour mark <laughs> yeah but you know it's one of those things where i think it's hard to express the cost of a distraction and that's especially true when you are in the zone when you're mm -hmm. really when you're doing deep work and somehow you know a distraction gets hold of you and it's you know it, it's extremely costly you can't put a dollar amount on it but Maybe you could, I don't know. I'd love to see a study of that, but um, it's one of those things where, you know, you were, you were in the zone, you get distracted. Now you're not in the zone and trying to get back in it can sometimes be, you know, extremely difficult. Um, mm -hmm. So like a two minute, uh, you know, distraction might cost you two hours of, of time, you know, in the long run. Yeah. And so that's, you know, I, I get emails occasionally or a text from somebody will say, you know, I, I can, can you talk? I only need five minutes or I've got a quick question for you. And I'm like, there, there's no such thing. Even the that's fact subjective. that I'm seeing that message, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's even the request is a distraction in some cases. And I feel bad. I got to think about it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So this, you know, this is an interesting episode. We are coming up on the hour mark on it, but it's just one of those things where I don't, there's no silver bullet with this, right? There's no uh, advice that we could give or apps that we can recommend or techniques that are going to work for everyone all the time. It's just right. one of those things. It's a very fluid, I think, uh, process uh, to try to get to a point where you've, you're getting the most productivity that you can. You're minimizing, you know, distractions, um, so, and you know, there's plenty out there to read on this, plenty of books. Um, the one book I wanted to mention that was influential to me was a book called Zen to Done. Um, and it's by a guy named Leo Babata. I can never pronounce his name quite right. He's the, he's kind of famous for being the author of the Zen Habits blog. And um, Zen to Done is kind of his answer to uh, getting things done and has elements of like seven habits of highly effective people in it. Right. 
with a good dash of simplicity and minimalism thrown into the mix. And that, that was a pretty influential book on me. Um, that, and again, I think I uh, highly recommend reading Deep Work. And you've mentioned Atomic Habits. Mm-hmm. You didn't mention it nearly as many times as I thought you you would in this episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, I could. Uh, There's more yeah. to it. Yep. But are there any other books that you would recommend? I mean, you, you've you read um, Getting Things Done, right? Yep. I think that was one you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Any other ones that you would recommend that people read or maybe blog posts or whatever? Let's see, Getting Things Done. Yeah, I have a link to a blog post I'll talk about that, that uh, talks about sort of blocking your days, basically, you know, mm-hmm. structuring large blocks of time in your day to facilitate deep work. Um. Yeah, so definitely Atomic Habits is, it, it was great for me that the system aligns well with just the way that my mind works, the way I operate. And I think that is the key is there are tons of research on this sort of thing. There are lots of books, there's tons of advice. So find what resonates with you um, and, and get started. Uh, yeah, so getting things done, Atomic Habits. Um, what is it? Uh, I hate this title because I can never remember it. It doesn't have to be crazy at work. It's a terrible title, but it's very true. Uh, that's a great book. It's not so much about productivity, but there are chapters of it that are more about uh, productivity and organizing work you know, from the owners of a software company. I'm trying to think of some others. I know there are more. I'll do a little little digging offline and have some links in the show notes, but those I would say are the most impactful sources that I've read recently. Yeah. So before we wrap things up, what challenges, if any, are you facing with regard to productivity and distractions? Like, I don't think there's any perfect system, but like what, what are you still working on? Distractions. <laughs> um, never stop, right? I mean, it's it's a yeah, never-ending battle, right? I'm, yeah. I'm slightly being facetious there. No, I have some. Uh, let's see. It, it is distractions, and they are completely. So I'm very good at, as all all the stuff I've talked about. I'm very good at eliminating external distractions. I, I don't have a problem telling you uh, I check email twice a day and or like you can expect me to check email twice a day or I don't see Slack notifications unless they're in this channel and I'm tagged, you know, things like that. I'm very good at <laughs> guarding uh, the the walls of my castle from <laughs> from distractions. But inside the walls, oh man, so many distractions, <laughs> so many shiny objects. Uh, so that's, I would say that's what I'm struggling with now. You know, whenever I sit down at the computer at any given time, especially running a business, there's like 78 things I could be working on. And so like picking one and sticking with it, um, can be really, really hard. Um, so, and everything I do, almost everything I do requires a computer, some sort of digital device. And so I am still consistently battling with ways to do that. So 
one of the primary ways I do that is those, those first two hours of the day. Typically I don't, I, I come into my office, I check my schedule and my tasks and just see, you know, make sure I'm aware of what's going on. And then I leave my office and I go down to a tiny little storage room that has a writing desk in it. I take my pen and my notebook and not my phone and I write, I create, I ideate, if you will. Uh, so that's the way I'm trying to deal with it now. There are infinite distractions both in my head and inside a computer on the interwebs. So I have to limit those as much as possible. Yeah. What about you? Um, so I mentioned the biggest challenge for me right now, I think is just setting or resetting expectations uh, with clients with, in regard to how to get me when I'm available and things like that. Um, that's one that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. um, kind of going along with what you were just saying, having too many ideas, uh, you know, th things I would love to work on or think I'd love to work on and just not enough time to deal with all of them has been an issue for me for mm -hmm. years. And so I, yeah, I have a folder of ideas and um, I, I went through it earlier in the year and got I, I, the word I used to describe to, to describe the process was that was brutal. You know, I just went through and I'm like, I'm never going to do this. You mm -hmm. know, like this was a great idea or it's a great idea, but not for me yeah. or, you know, so I, some of them went into the trash. Some of them are still sitting in that folder. Some are in a folder that I can't easily get to, you know, they're on an external drive. So, you know, I can rest assured that there's somewhere if they're still important to me, but, um, you know, I think just being honest and being, um, you know, realistic about what you're capable of, um, or that I'm capable of and really truly interested in has helped. In other words, when I sit down at the computer, it's less likely that one of those shiny, uh, objects, or in this case, a, an appealing project, it's less likely that it's going to grab my attention and my time. And if yeah. it does, it must be important enough to, you know, justify that. Yeah, that's, um, um, that's good. That's straight out of getting things done, actually. So the first half of it is, you know, when you get an idea or, you know, something to do, you write it down, you get it out of yeah. your head. But the other side of that is uh, if there's something that you like is on your list, say, for instance, uh, something you told yourself you were going to do daily and it keeps coming up on your list and you just don't do it and just like cross it off every day or you skip it every day. Yeah. After a few days, just delete it because you're clearly not prioritizing that thing. And the same would be true for your sort of your long, your more long-term ideas. I've done the same thing. I have a huge, not a huge, I have a list in Asana of like the, the someday list, you know, maybe cool. This would be cool if I could do this. And periodically I just go through and delete the stuff that was like, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that sometimes going back and looking at something that you thought was a great idea, you know, you really, you're like, what was I thinking? You know, when I wrote this down or, you know, again, being honest with yourself about it, it might be a great idea, but it might not be a great idea for you, you know? Um, I would say, you know, mm -hmm. if that's the case, maybe think of somebody that it might be great for and send it to them. But I, I wish, yeah. or I Have hope that no one ever does that to me. 
<laughs> like, I don't need any more ideas. I've got enough. So like, just please don't, don't suggest any more to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do think getting them down and knowing that there's some place that you can review them later is important. And yeah. uh, so th that was a challenge for me that I feel like I've slowly uh, started to tackle. Um, the other just bigger challenges are ones that I think we all face as software developers. Uh, you know, for me, estimating how long it's going to take uh, for certain projects and certain tasks. Oh, no. You know? you, this is like the biggest can of worms you could have ever opened at the one hour, eight minute mark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that it, it really is. It's a subject in and of itself, but it is a big deal, especially when you're scheduling work, you know, and you're trying to, you know, you. it's a very, you know, it, it leads me to the next challenge, which is that I don't have enough slack in my schedule to deal with, um, you know, unexpected requests and emergencies and things like that. And you could throw into that mix uh, that I don't have enough slack to deal with overage, you know, in terms of, you know, this project that's going to take me longer than I thought, or this task is more difficult. Um, but yeah, well, it's definitely something to talk about on a future episode, but it's a challenge and it totally, like, again, I have, a, I think I have a really good system for scheduling things and for estimating. And yet at the same time, you know, this remains a challenge. I just don't think it's something that is ever going to go away. You just never know when a project is going to go off the rails. Um, but right now I don't have enough slack in my schedule to even deal with a project that spills into the next day, even just for a few hours, you know, it just sends my world into a tailspin. And oh. again, we'll talk about that on another episode. <laughs> oh, you just hurt my heart so bad. Um, Nine, yeah, I have so tough. much to say about that. How dare you bring this up <laughs> after the well, one hour I, mark? Yeah, it's a tough one, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, so those are the challenges, really. I feel like the, I'm getting better at setting expectations. Um, right now, my expectation is no. Like, I'm just saying no to everything, um, which is also something that I haven't been very good at for years. But I'm not taking new clients. I'm not taking new projects. Um, you know, I just I can't right now. Mm -hmm. I need to get through the backlog. So that has helped a little bit. Um, but setting expectations in terms of, you know, when you can get me, how you can get me is something that I'm working on. Um, dealing with having so many ideas and not enough time is another one. And then that third one being not having enough slack to deal with projects that go crazy or emergencies is, you know, another one that I'm trying to deal with. Mm -hmm. What I would love to do is get to a point where I do really have time built into the schedule for those types of things. But I've done that before and I know that there's no amount of time that can deal with a project that goes off the rails. You know, if I set aside a day a week to deal with unexpected issues, um, it'll fill. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I, uh, uh, I have so many thoughts. So we'll have a follow-up on this episode. What would you even call that episode? Uh, Project planning, project scheduling, something like that. Work there scheduling. So look for a future episode from us on that. Because, yeah, if you've got advice on that. I will be all the way up on the soapbox. I'll just sit and listen. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be great. Um, so anyway, that's, that's me. Right. The only other thing that I had on my list that I did not mention was in 
you started to talk a little bit about it, social media and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've been really good about that. The only social media I'm on, I don't really consider Slack to be social media, but um, the only one that I'm on is LinkedIn, um, which is getting weird at times. Um, but you won't find me on Twitter. You won't find me on Facebook. You won't find me on Instagram. <laughs> um, I've had accounts on Twitter and Facebook in the past. I, I quit Facebook a long, long time ago. Um, I think it's probably been eight years, maybe longer. And Twitter. Likewise. Oh, I, don't know. I don't I can't remember when I quit Twitter, but yeah, I just got to the point where I realized that like, it's just not for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't miss it at all. Um, yeah. So, but, uh, but I did have that down because I know that that is a point of contention with a lot of people or a point of distraction. And uh, so but I just wanted to mention that because people ask me, you know, why can't I get you on Facebook? Why can't I get you on Twitter? You know, it's like you're a, a freak for not being on there. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, I'm fine. I, I'm, I'm a happy freak for not being on there. Yeah. So. Well, that's, that's important too. <laughs> Comfortable in your skin. I, yeah, I, I'm, we, we have very similar stories there. I do have, I, I left Facebook a long time ago. I'm sure they're still using and tracking my account somehow, but, uh, <laughs> I, I don't use it. I don't log into it. Uh, I do have a Twitter account. I actually went, I went to like the delete your account page last week. And then I was like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm going to keep the account to sit, to keep my name. Like just to make sure no one else is using the name, I guess. Um, not that there's many Eric Grubas in the world, but uh, so I didn't delete it, but I don't log in. I do, I do syndicate my content there. So my, you know, my WordPress site will automatically publish new links. And that's about my extent there. I just was not, I did find myself logging in a lot more, checking it a lot more as I was publishing on it more, as I was syndicating my content to it. Um, and I just, one, it was super easy to just lose. All of a sudden, 20 minutes are gone. Mm-hmm. And right now, I don't have 20 minutes to just disappear. Uh, I get like three or four hours of work a day at best. So uh, 20 minutes is a big chunk of that. So, and, and every time I walked away, and I would challenge pretty much anyone who spends a lot of time on those social networks, or really with anything you do, honestly. Uh, I was walking away from that. I never walked away from like, say a Twitter session feeling like, you know what? That was time really well spent. I got a lot out of that. I am richer now. I am thinking differently. I'm going to behave differently. That literally never happened. Not once. And like, no matter what you're doing, if, if those things, if you're not getting those things out of it, if it's not improving your life, if it's not, changing the way you see something or more importantly than that, changing your behavior, affecting your life in some meaningful way. What are you doing? About guess being more intentional about what, like, you know, how you spend this short single life we get. Uh, and Twitter just stopped fitting into that. Facebook stopped fitting into that a long time ago. I think it kind of brings us full circle to the way that this started, this conversation started when you were talking about how atomic 
habits works and what was the phrase you used about like how you spend your time as Casting a vote, a vote towards, or... yeah, the person yeah. you want to be, right? So yeah. if, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, if you get value out of Twitter or Facebook or whatever, and that's like making you, or leading you towards the uh, person you want to be, then by all means, yeah. <laughs> spend all the time you want. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with you. I challenge uh, you to to find a way to justify the time spent on those. They just, they felt toxic to me, you know, mm -hmm. especially Twitter there in the end. And I guess I figure that if there's something that's happening that like, you know, oh, it's all over Twitter. I'm going to hear about it anyway. Somebody's going to tell me if it's important enough, it'll, trust me, <laughs> it'll be on the news or, you know, or yeah. And that's, I keep thinking we're going to wrap this up, but that's another thing. Like I'm not a news person. I try to avoid that. I'm like, you know, I, like I the world could be coming to an end right now while we're having this conversation. I'm not going to know, <laughs> you know, not until like the flash of light hits me or whatever it is that's going on. Right. Um, it's just, it's, you know, I, I have enough to deal with. Um, that's a whole other conversation. So should we wrap this puppy up? I think we, we probably better. Yeah. Should we talk about cool things first? Boy, I think you don't I have one, do you? Pretty much mentioned anything I would have. I, I don't actually have one. Uh, well, you uh, know what? That's not true. I do have one. I'll okay. even go first. I have talked several times about. I, I'm a very avid tabletop gaming uh, person player, and I got to try out a new game uh, this past weekend called Iron Sworn, which was very fun and enjoyable. So if you too like tabletop games, I recommend you check out Iron Sworn. Interesting. I haven't heard of that one yet. Nice. Yep. So we'll link to that. Um, my cool thing is actually very much related to this post or this episode rather. And it's a blog post from uh, Stephen uh, Wolfram, who He's a well-known computer scientist and physicist, businessman. You know, he's yep. like everybody knows him. I think um, he's the developer of Mathematica, author of a new kind of science. Anyway, he had a blog post that I I don't know how I stumbled on it, but I'm glad I did. Um, and it's called "Seeking the Productive Life: Some Details of My Personal Infrastructure." And even the title of that blog post probably gives you some sense of <laughs> uh, yeah. the nature of the post. But it's probably the most detailed, uh, you know, post that I've ever seen about someone's productivity uh, methods and systems. And he's just an interesting guy. So uh, you know, I, I obviously I checked it out and. Um, yeah, it's pretty thorough and very interesting. If you get a chance to read it, you should. Um, he also did a, an, an Ask Me Anything on Reddit about that post. Um, so we'll link to that. And yeah, um, yeah. so now I, I love reading about how other people get things done and what they use and stuff like that. I've mentioned in the past um, uses this, which is a, a website that's along those lines and we'll link to that again you know those are people that do all kinds of, of different things for a living from you know obviously developers but there's artists photographers uh writers and it's just it's, i always find it fascinating to see how people do the work they do um 
and sometimes you get some really great ideas uh, from unexpected, uh, you know, from people that like do something completely different from what we do that, you know, couldn't be further from developers, but they have like interesting techniques or tools, websites that they'll recommend. Mm -hmm. So we'll throw a link in there to that again as well. Yeah. So I think that does it. I don't know uh, how much of what we talked about today will help, but can't hurt, I guess, to listen to what other people are doing as far as their productivity goes and how they try to avoid distractions and how they get things done. But, uh, but there it is. There's our productivity episode, finally. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I skipped a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Forgot a bunch of stuff, but I think we hit the core. I'm excited. Yeah, and out of it, we've got an idea for yet another episode, which we'll, you know, or three. schedule that. Yeah, there's a bunch. So, all right. All right. Well, we will wrap this up then. Join us next time for more Sweet Script stories. Bye bye.